Sally here. Just a quick one, just a quick one. If you like this really sweary podcast by Kalechi, sorry, Kalechi, do remember to rate and review Say Your Mind on Apple Podcasts, okay? Now for the very urban intro music. <laughs> it's the Ben's Brunani woman, this baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. Baby, sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sip it, yo. Hard time scrolling for your long shorts. You might learn something you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind. I think I'll try defying fuckery. Wish me goodbye. Defying fuckery. That wasn't really, really a song, but I decided that, you know, it's going to be one. I'm going to, I'm going to make it one and, you know, we're just going to go with it. Um, yeah, we're just, you know, we're just going to go with it. It is me, Kelechi, in the Blood Club place to be. And you are listening to SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That's right, suck your mum. Um, speaking of mums, my mum's actually here watching Lev as I record this, um, fully just like I'm very much still high off the excitement that um Lewis Hamilton won the Brazilian Grand Prix he won the Sao uh, Sao Paulo GP um and it's amazing you know it's amazing the reason I chose Defying Gravity um is because first of all you know or Defying Fuckery as I called it it's from Wicked by the way but I chose it because well Hamilton really, really had an amazing time defying fuckery this weekend, but we'll get into that when we get to start your motors. Um, and of course, Cynthia Erivo is going to be in Wicked. Is it called live action? It's going to be in like the live action version of Wicked alongside Ariana Grande. And I just think that that's absolutely incredible suits her so big up black girls big up black british girls big up um, musical theater because you know people are really out here doing bits and doing bobs so you know i absolutely absolutely love that um i don't think we should waste any time i think we should get right into all of the bits that need to be discussed um we'll start with the tarot so i just decided off the cuff that i was going to do a pick a pile reading I'm sure you're excited right now. Pick a par reading for the tarot this week about love. Just randomly decided that I would focus on love. So you've got pile one, pile two or pile three. So pick your pile, pile one, pile two or pile three. And remember that you can send letters in to sym at kalechiocarfor.com. And it can be like a tarot question, but it'll be on the basis that I'm going to read that tarot question out on air, on air, but I'm going to read it out on the podcast and give the answer on the podcast. Um, so that also helps to give shape to the tarot as well. And I feel like the way that everybody's connected, um, the message will resonate. And also I can always do like a general one alongside that. So, um, yeah, as long as it's not like super, super personal, um, I'm happy to kind of like do a reading about that. Anyway, part one, part two or part three, the general theme is just love, love. So many things I had to tell you, but I'm afraid I don't know how, cause there's a possibility you'll look at me differently, love. Woo, big tune, music soul child. Anyway, 
part one, part two, or pile three. Um, let's start with pile one. So pile one, let's see what we've got. We've got at the bottom of there, we've got the, oh, nice, nine of cups. We've got the three of pentacles. We've got the judgment card in reverse. We've got the hierophant and we've got the page of wands. I love this. I love what I get from this because uh, the people who cho chose power one, you're finally finding emotional fulfillment. You're finally finding what feels like bliss. You're finally feeling like you, you know, you set yourself up in a way that feels, um, like you're supported because we've got the three of pentacles here you're finally working alongside spirit um and maybe a mentor or you're just finally like be finally drawing the life that you deserve you're finally doing the things that makes you feel like you know what life is worth it and you're finding success there for some of you it's literally art like you're um working within some kind of like um the art world but you're finally feeling like rah I'm reaching a stage that feels okay so some of you might be either entering your Saturn return or coming out of your Saturn return as well as the vibe that I get where you're feeling like the restri the restrictions are finally gone and you're um yeah, you just, you feel a bit better about life, you feel much better about life, actually, a judgment card in reverse, because that's what gave me the Saturn vibe as well, like, you feels like you've passed some kind of test, and, um, now you're realizing that you are the sole authority over your life, and the, and the way that you want things to run, um, and that's, and that's beautiful to see because now that you have that confidence in yourself, you're now page of, page of wands ready to venture out into the world um, because you've grown into your divinity, right? And you're more confident that whether it's career, whether it's romance or whatever, like you're fully ready to go now. So in terms of love, this feels more like a self-love. This feels more like you've taken the time to really find fulfillment in yourself um in collaboration with spirit and in collaboration with like maybe the support network that you have around you and so you're not feeling like you're being judged or you know like um or you're that that you're judging where you're at in life or you're judging where other people are in life you're like genuinely genuinely now like I understand that I am the master of my soul and I'm going to decide where I go henceforth so I love that for you pile one pile two so pile two, um, we've got the Knight of Swords in reverse, we've got the Eight of Swords in reverse, then we've got the King of Wands, and then we've got the King of Pentacles. So the vibe I'm getting from this is, um, <clears throat> you're like charging in the wrong direction with your ideas, like you're charging in the wrong direction towards your ideas. Um, Eight of Swords is here because it's, there's a certain level of denial, but not complete denial about what your value is and what your worth is in certain situations we've got the king of wands and we've got the king of pentacles which says that yeah like sometimes people move mad to us in life people move mad and then the way that we react to it well that is what's the deciding factor of how we go about um fulfilling our assignment in this life oh okay i see it that's why we started recording again um how we react to the way that people treat us um, yes, people are mad, but then your decision to move madder and the way that you decide to move madder, well, that's going to decide on whether you slap on this particular journey of your existence or of your human experience or you flop. Because when you're done, you're, you can't turn around and be like, oh, yeah, but it's because X, Y, Z treated me this way and I found out and I got vexed. That's why all of this has happened, because it's like, well, you didn't have to go to the extent that you went to. You chose to do that. That was a choice. And so back, go and, go and finish your assignment. Off you go. Right. 
So it's understanding that. It's understanding that you don't need to let people um, take you out of your composure, Lewis. Um, you don't need to let people take you out of your composure because at the end of the day, the, this is night energy. You're bigger than that. And then that's why we see the king of pentacles and the king of wands. Like you're bigger than the people that you're trying to go back and forth with and you're trying to scrap with. They're not worth it. They're not worth your time. They're not worth your energy. This this might even be a workplace scenario as well, where you're like, these are my ideas. And people keep trying to like undercut you, <laughs> undercut you, take the piss out of you or whatever else. And you could choose to get mad and you can choose to get like vexed about it and be like, you know what, now I'm going to be petty. Or you could be like, you know what, cool. I'm going to stay focused on my task because I know that I'm, I'm a bigger girl for all of you, man. And I'm going to go and do what I need to do. Um, because what that, what means, what that means is that you're still there perched on your throne. You're the one that's going to come out of all of this victorious, but it's how you go about in terms of your composure while you're in the midst of the fuckery. And that's why I was singing defying fuckery because you really have to, that is the theme on for um uh for I was gonna say Scorpio season but yeah Scorpio season for November going into December I think I'll try defying fuckery I think I will try to rise above the fuckery I know that when I'm when we talk about when they go low we go high no when they go low we go lower but no this time it is about thinking like no I'm not necessarily gonna go high or low I'm just gonna go differently I'm just gonna go a different route because I'm not doing all of this nonsense with you lot and so that's why this is here and if this is a relationship vibe as well getting better at um, asserting yourself speaking up for yourself and um looking after your money it's not every person that you're dating that you need to pay their bills you know oh wow you don't need to pay their bills you don't need to pay their mortgage yeah it's not every time that you need to pay or that you need to be doing the things or being like oh I'll help them um, I'll help them out financially it's not every friend that you have that you need to be the one that you're looking after them financially like sometimes you ain't got it and that's not saying you ain't physically got it but you ain't got it you ain't you ain't got it that's it simple have some boundaries, have some class, you know, or not even have some class, you've got class, you've got to maintain your class, you've got to maintain your class, and don't go and join the trash, you know, so that's pile two, pile three, we've got here the um, hermit card, and the um, ten of pentacles in reverse, two of pentacles, and then we've got the page of pentacles in reverse, and we've got the tower card, um, some of you are trying to move away from connections with people because it didn't go the way that you wanted, right? Or you're disconnecting from self or you're going inwards. You're trying to retreat because life isn't currently going the way that you had imagined. Um, or you try to start a business, you try to do something. Maybe there was a loss there somehow. And so now you're in two minds about, oh, am I really that girl or guy or that non-binary am I really that folk, am I really that person, am I the bad bee that I thought I was, um, and you are, you are, but you have to allow yourself to be untethered, you have to allow yourself to be untamed, right, sometimes we're thrown out into the wild because we need to know that we can survive, yes, you know, sometimes I do feel that way, where I'm just like, I know that they like to say that God gives, um, the, the hardest assignments to the strongest soldiers, but I ain't strong, fam, I'm weak, I'm on the floor, ah, 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 come and get me, I'm on the floor, ah, I'm hurting, ah. you know, it's one of them ones, it's okay to, um, to be exhausted, it's okay to not be okay, it's okay to sometimes question the path, yeah, it's okay to sometimes question the path because you're like, fuck, this is hard. This is very hard, my God. But that doesn't mean that you're not built of harder stuff. And the harder stuff that you're built of um, is actually 
funny because it almost feels like feels like an oxymoron the hardest stuff that you're built from is the softest stuff it's the most tender stuff in the universe like you are made of love like you reek of love you you that is like you exude love and you have to own that and don't be disheartened because the life that you thought that you were building isn't quite going the way that you thought that it would because you're being asked to consider your other options two of pentacles you're being asked to consider the other options and to think about the fact that you you haven't been left with absolutely nothing you still have things right and it's about using those things to move towards what you truly do want and when you allow yourself to be wild you actually find your abundance there if while you're still pretending while you're still trying to i mean i know that some of you aren't pick me pick me's but there's you've got pick me tendencies right and whether you're not, whether you're no longer doing pick me in relationships, you might still be doing pick me in terms of your work environment or with your friends and things like that. And so this is saying that you have to move away from them pick me tendencies and allow yourself to become untamed. Allow yourself, see your wild side, like truly, truly see it. Not the wild side that's always acceptable. Um, This much is acceptable. It's about going the whole hog, going the whole way. <coughs> Yeah. And um, when you do that, that is when you'll find, like I said, that's when you'll find your abundance. Because while you are still doing pick me, you're still trying to invest in systems that I keep saying. So it feels like a stronger message. Maybe this is an ongoing message from what you had last week. You're still trying to invest in systems that won't be here for much longer. You're still trying to give yourself to things that won't give to you so um because that's why the tower card is here so we've got the moon card um and then we've got the tower card and we've got the page of pentacles right in between it give to yourself give to your untamed side invest in that because by doing that you're going to find that you discover a lane for yourself that hasn't actually been explored before and that is where you'll find your growth that is where you'll find your security right now you might be like oh I don't even know what I'm meant to do I don't feel like I fit into anything around me I don't feel like I fit into what's going on and it's because you're still trying to hold back you're still trying to hold back like go the whole way like be you be all of you because that is when you'll find that the things that are meant for you are easier to identify and then while everybody else is then flailing and 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 um you know, with these um institutions and things that are crumbling, you'll find that you're actually cool, that you're actually okay in years to come because you trusted yourself. Intuition is what we see with the moon. You trusted yourself and you went where your bliss was. And it doesn't have to, your bliss doesn't have to look like anybody else's bliss. That's why the 10 of pentacles is in reverse. While you're still trying to get the things that you think you should have and you think you should want, you're going to hold yourself back from the things that you deserve and the things that you truly, truly, like, are divinely, like, aligned to you and for you. So, um, yeah, that's that for, um, uh, the tarot. I pray that it resonates with you. Um, and I will jump to, um, bigging up the first of this week's show sponsors who are better help. And then we'll get into share your magnificence. This podcast is sponsored by better help. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Um, I know that, again, like we said, it can be the self-limiting beliefs. It could be the thinking that you should um, want and have the things that other people have when, when what you are truly destined for. It just takes a bit of introspection, maybe sitting down with a professional to discuss and you'll be, you know, right on your way. 
And that's what BetterHelp is there for. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available to clients worldwide. You can log into your account at any time and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sh- um, sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp, that's better H-E-L-P, is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. So visit their website and read all the testimonials. Well, not all of them because there's quite a lot, but read some, get their vibe. Visit betterhelp.com, that's better H-E-L-P.com forward slash your mind and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health and um, mental help their mental health with the help of an experienced professional as uh, the special offer for say your mind listeners you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash your mind so go and get involved and um, now let's get to share your magnificence my first share your magnificence, um, and I don't tend to like just big up white women randomly, but my first share your magnificence goes out to Britney Spears. Britney, baby, it's Britney, bitch. When we talk about defying fuckery, Britney fought and fought and fought for her freedom, and now Britney is what? Britney is free. Yes, baby girl. Two slaps on your chest. Gotta get it, gotta get it. Ooh, gotta get it, gotta get it. Uh, yeah. Um, Britney's free. Britney is free from the from the clutches of her demonic, horrible family. She's now free to live her life how she wants to. Um, her conservation, uh, conservatorship, conservatorship that what that useless term that they were using to hold her. She's now free of that. Her her father doesn't have control. Her mum don't have control. Her sister don't have control. They were really chopping her money, saying that she was unfit to look after herself. Didn't want her to even have a child. They didn't want her to do anything. They were trying to lock her all the way down. And now our Britney girl is free. Um, and you know what she did? Like a bad bee. First thing. Britney Spears jumped upon Instagram and she said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write a young caption. Yeah, I'm going to write a caption and let you let all of you bitches know exactly how I feel about everything. And I'm going to use all the emojis in the world. And I love that she's using her white girl emojis because I think that white people are still a bit kind of apprehensive about using their colour emojis. So they tend to use like the yellow one or you've got people like um, Ellen Pompeo who um, decides that she's going to use all of the emojis, um, even the black ones, because she felt like it because she's got a black partner. I don't know. Weirdo. Um, Anyway, (coughs) Britney says, the moment I smile and I realise I haven't in a very long time. My mum got so concerned and says, you're acting weird. What's wrong with you? Three question marks. I say, hi, my name is Britney Spears. Nice to finally meet you. Before I go any further, forgive me in advance. It's been 13 years and I'm a little rusty. It was a family business before. It's no, it's no longer that anymore. I was born today because I get to smile. So thank you for exiting out of my life and finally allowing me to live mine. P.S. Do I know how mean I sound? Yes. 
three exclamation marks before the yes. I 100 billion percent I do. 100 emoji, thumbs up emoji, um, you know, confused emoji, shrug, you know, yeah. Four exclamation marks. P.S. My dad may have started the conservatorship, conservatorship 13 years ago. But what people don't know is that my mum is the one who gave him the idea. Four exclamation marks. I will never get those years back. She secretly ruined my life. And um, yes, I will call her and Lou Taylor out on it. So take your whole, I have no idea what's going on attitude and go fuck yourself. Three um, middle finger up emojis, four exclamation marks. You know exactly what you did. My dad is not smart enough to ever think of a conservatorship, but tonight I will smile knowing I have a new life ahead of me, four exclamation marks. You know what? I'm so happy for you, Britney Spears. Go and get your life. Live your life because these lot really, really tried you and that tower crumbled. The tower that they tried to lock you in, that crumbled. And like Rapunzel, you let down your hair and you what? You climbed down your hair. I don't know how that's possible. Like, you know what I mean. But you know what? No, actually, I know what I mean. Like Rapunzel, when you cut your hair that time and everybody was like, oh my God, what's happening with Britney? What's happening with Britney? That same hair that you cut off is the hair that you climbed down to your freedom. And then you blew that motherfucker. Oh, I don't know if that's appropriate. But you know, you took that tower down because now you're free. I'm so sorry. I didn't know where this was going. Um, but two slaps on your chest, Brittany. I'm so happy that you're free and you're away from your wayward family that tried to hold you down. Um, Pickney not hold man again, but this time you were the Pickney and the parents tried to hold you down, but still they're Pickney to you because you're divine. But big up yourself, Brittany. I'm so happy for you. Anyway, with all of that foot in mouth that I was doing, um, Let's get to the second share your magnificence of this week. Um, I had an amazing conversation with Gilen Kinwani, the brilliant psychotherapist, um, uh, Congolese descent, um, also French nationality, um, just an amazing mind who she's written a book called Living While Black. And I've talked about it on the show before. Um, it's discussing racial trauma and it's just amazing because it talks to black people, you know, and I think that that's important. And when you hear Glenn talking about this book, you might hear it and be like, rah, because I was listening back to it and I was just like, it might sound like Glenn's like proper like, ha ah, ha 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 ha, but no, she's passionate the same way that I'm passionate. And, you know, she's sharing this amazingness about her book and her um, observations and her introspections with, her, um, with us and her journey with us. And I think it's so beautiful. And this is one book that I wholeheartedly recommend that you get. And I like to be transparent with people. And I will say that the interracial relationship um, chapter, I think, could be more robust, could have had um, a bit more in terms of um, perspective and nuance. But I'm not the one that wrote the book. Do you get me? But um, and I like to kind of preface that and make sure that I've said that ahead of time before people go and buy it and be like, rah, Kelechi. But um. And that lets you know how much I enjoy the book because I'm not going to come here and lie to you, right? The book is really, really good. Really, really, like, with so many great tools in there. And I hope that more black psychotherapists um, and, you know, uh, across the board, um, they go to get that book and they share it with their black clients as well and let them know that the book is there because it gives vocabulary to so much and um, it's necessary. So um, big up Kin um, Gillen and, um, yeah, go and listen now. 
Galen, Galen. No, it's absolutely amazing to be talking with you. Woo! It's it's an honor. I have been wanting to have a more formal conversation. I mean, you know, you, we follow each other's work. That's been the case for a number of years. I've seen you grow from, Likewise. you know, being like a very determined voice on social media to yeah. be that is very respected actually in the sphere of race and equality, gender, violence. It's quite it's quite astonishing actually. I think you've done so well. I'm very proud of where you were. <laughs> Thank you. So it's an honor. It's my honor to be here. No, likewise. No, it means a lot because I think that we we actually only have only met in person when mm. we were at a panel discussion. And I think we were talking about self-love or self-care as resistance. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And it was also, you see, life is weird like this. It was also in the context of trauma, wasn't it? Yes. yes. That was years ago. I had no idea that I would be writing a book on trauma. Yes. And trauma but yeah, that's where we met and that's where we are today. You see, wow. life, you see the ancestor. That's the yes all the, they do they do the best things like you connect and you don't even realize the reason for connection you don't even re realize the trajectory that you're on that is you know in alignment with other people and then boom like five years later six years later you're like oh here we are again yeah. um so that's why I was really looking forward to today because your book living while black the essential guide to overcoming racial trauma is is amazing. I want to say first, like why I think it's amazing is because you're one of the very few writers, one of the very few amazing minds who are talking directly to black people and not talking to them in a condescending way, like pull your trousers up and do your like belt. No, you're like the here are the words to the things that you are experiencing, um, like you're experiencing, and we haven't had that before. Why? did you feel like this kind of um urge to be the one to do it gosh that is, thank you first of all thank you very much for the for the praise i i feel humbled i i think that you know each of us have work to fulfill in this life yes yes and i think that this is my work and i think that this is my work not because to some degree i've chosen it mm -hmm. um but I think to a large extent, I was chosen <laughs> to do yes. this work. I think I was chosen by my ancestors. I think I was chosen by, you know, the universe, whichever way you look at it. Because one thing is for certain, if you go through the book, particularly if you go through chapter one, where mm -hmm. I talked about my experience as a black woman in France, in the UK, within institution, within psychology, within the mental health service. And it becomes kind of obvious that, you know, those things just don't happen for no reason right yes. i think that i was prepared the universe everything that exists including our ancestors they were just gearing me uh, for this moment and to write the book so why i've written it and why i felt strongly that i needed to write it is because listen when i started about i don't i don't mean I don't even remember many years ago when I set up my practice and I said to people, listen, you know, I, I want to help us. I mm. want us to think together about how we survive, about how we thrive, about how we navigate this anti-black um, misogynist society. How do we do it? You know, people could have come and said, who the hell are you? We don't yeah. know you. 
not yeah. finished, you're not qualified, you're not this, you're not that, you, you, you're nothing. But you know what? People come knocking. That's always mm. a sign. When people come and they tell you their stories and they trust, they trust you that you can hold it, that you are going to do something useful for the community, that is your first clue. Because think about it. When I started 10, 15 years ago, I had nothing. I had just me, my office. Sometimes mm. I saw people at home. They could have mm. said, I don't want to do that. I don't trust you. Right. Yes, Especially yes. when the work was so new with inverted comma in that there's not a lot of airtime that is given to white supremacy within mental health systems generally. People mm -hmm. could have said, are you trying to use us as guinea pigs? They didn't do that. They mm. came again and again and they trusted me with their experience. And so that also tells us something that the fact that people trust you, I always say, don't take people's story for granted. Right? Mm. You and I know that you don't speak to anyone on the street about things that matter to you. Yes. There needs to be a connection. There needs to be trust. There needs to be hope that there's something better to come. And so I was gifted this, right? And I don't mm. think I was gifted this because I am exceptional. I really don't think so. I think I was gifted this because it was my work to do. Mm. That's it. Mm. But then you have to have a certain le level of exceptionalism as far as I'm concerned. You have to have a certain level of excellence to be able to do this work and to do it thoroughly because other people I feel like would have folded and I've seen many people fold and almost start gearing their narrative towards explaining um, blackness or explaining black um, ra racialized trauma, explaining it to the um, I guess the white audience, because we are told that that's what sells, but yeah. you are yeah. intentional, you are determined, you are committed wholeheartedly to um, really giving language to so much that we experience um, you know, um, you know, in terms of like our emotional, um, our emotions and everything, like you do it so, so well here while citing other sources, of course, but um, I think that's important. Like, you know, I think it follows along the lines of like Toni Morrison, who you quote, Maya Angelou, who you quote, Bell Hooks, who you quote, um, even France Fanon, like you, you're, you're bringing people to the fore who in the way that they had their conversations, they were in dialogue with blackness. They were in dialogue with black people as opposed to speaking at them or using them as the um, springboard with which or upon which to talk to other people while ignoring um, or refusing to dissect what it is that we're truly going through. So um, I, one of, I think one of my favorite tweets from yours was when you, and it was many, many years ago when you started to kind of really explain to people that psychotherapy because you're a psychotherapist but you know psychotherapy as we know it was really formed to really kind of center the narrative of the white cis het man and everybody outside of that is othered so even white women are othered and when we talk about hysteria and they give you hysterectomies because they believe that oh there was something fundamentally wrong with you and your genitalia um and that's why you were acting up you know and by acting up just stating your opinion and wanting your place in the world so if that's what's happening to white women and everybody else that moves further away from white cis, um, cis heteronormativity or male cis heteronormativity they suffer as a result of that you were one of the very few people that started to give voice to what at the fundamental stage of psychotherapy that is inherently anti-black it is, and, and I'm now glad that it's become more mainstream. I don't know necessarily that I was the first one, if I'm honest. I think there's been feminists, black feminists, white feminists as well, mm. anti-racist feminists who have made the case. But what it is, is that um, academia is behind 
a, a kind of glass mm. wall. And unless you are invested in academic knowledge, maybe you're a researcher, maybe that is basically what you, what, what you do for a living, you read academic paper, this knowledge doesn't reach the average black person on the street. That's the, that's the problem. And I think maybe this is where I came in. in that exactly my point. You started tweeting it and we didn't have it because we have to know that the, the studies are there. We have to know that the journals are there, but a lot of things are behind paywalls as well. And we understand why that is or, you know, but knowledge should be shared, right? And you came on Twitter and you said, oh, here guys, here, here are the words to these things. If you didn't know, here you go. And so I think that that is what really elevated the space that you occupy within social media because you brought that through. You almost dragged it through this portal to make it accessible for other people. Yeah. But yeah. that must have, was there fear? Was there, what was it instinctive? There's always fear, there's always fear, Kelechi, because, you know, we're all human beings. We learn to work with fear. Yeah. You know, uh, I've written in an article which is called, I think, um, on the internal, an internal master. And in that article, essentially, I reflect on my journey to writing, on my journey to scholarship, and I make the analogy between vulnerability and learning to swim. So in the article, I say I was, I think, six or seven when I started to learn to swim, right? Mm. And at one point, I was like, I'm scared. I'm scared to swim unaided. I had mm. never swum unaided. I went up to the highest point on the plunger, you know, picture this as, as, as a seven or eight year old or whatever. And I jumped because I thought, you know what? I don't want to be controlled by fear. I don't want to live a life where fear holds me from doing what I want to do or from actually just being myself in the world. And I realized that as a child, but of course you can understand the context of, you know, some of the racialized experience and how fear, I think from a very young age has had a hold on me, mm. but also pretty early deciding that's not the life that I want to live. Of course I get scared, but you know what? My, my work and my life is about overcoming fear, do what I can. We say there's nothing to fear, but fear itself. And mm. I can't tell you how many times I've sat there, you know, procrastinating, not wanting to do something, getting anxious. And the thing takes you 15 minutes in the end. Yeah, and yeah. you've been thinking about it for days and weeks, if not months. Um, so, yeah, of course, there's fear. Um, there's fear because I'm Black, there's fear because I'm working class. And if you put, and I'm, a, and I'm a migrant. So if you put all those things together, think about how what I'm talking about is going to be received. Ooh, right? yeah. In a profession that is mainly white, middle class, right? And obviously nativist. Think about that. Um, mm. So of course I've been here. There's a lot of people that have put blockers on my way professionally. There's been attempt at kind of um, spoiling my name, character, assassination, wow. all of that, all of that. But, you know, I think that I'm working with my ancestors. That's really what I feel. Because you know what? If I could have been stopped, there were so yeah. many opportunities, Ooh. so many things to stop, so many. But the fact that I'm here means one of two things, right? Number two, my ancestors, God is working by me. There's absolutely mm -hmm. no doubt, mm -hmm. otherwise I wouldn't have happened. Or whoever is trying to stop me, my words, whatever is coming out of my body, essentially cannot stop the machine. 
Yes. Right? So something yes. that's already in motion, you may actually want to resist it. You may uh, maybe even at in place displace it. Or um, what? What is the expression when you are putting you, you kind of changing direction of something? I can't remember what the term is. Mm, like diverting it. Yes, exactly. So you divert. And my sister, who is a you know strange kind of uh, Christian, she tells me all the time, Gillen, what is yours is yours. What yeah. is yours is yours. They can't alter what is meant to be yours. They can only delay. They can yes, delay. yes, they yes. Can delay, Amen. But yeah. Eventually, it will come, and it might even come double. Um, you know, with double the blessing. Um, and so, yes, I feel extremely, extremely blessed because, you know, a lot of us have not survived the kind of stuff that has been thrown my way. Let's just just put it on the table out there. Yeah, and that's true because, you know, I always reference like Audrey Lord, listening for, uh, for survival. She says, you know, we were never meant to survive. And that is, you know, such a sobering, it's a sobering narrative. It's a sobering, like, thing to consider, like, oh, I'm not meant to be here, yet here I am. So if I'm here, I'm going to do what I need to do because it's not you people that will come and stop me. I'm going to, and that's, and I think that that's beautiful that you point that out. Like it's one of two things, my ancestors, God with me, wants me here. So I'm here and, or you lot aren't powerful enough to stop what I'm doing. Either way we move, either way we move. Um, in one of the chapters uh, where you talk about black shame, you say, um, since we are supposed to be inhuman, since we are supposed to be both inhuman and superhuman or inhuman because we are superhuman, when these internalized notions of black strength, resilience and invulnerability do not match our lived reality, we may feel inadequate. This further increases our distress and provides additional evidence that we are not enough. And there is also shame and stigma ar um, around mental health difficulties in our communities. Some of this stigma is independent from the mental health inequalities encountered in chapter one, as you say. We are much less likely to seek, seek help and instead may opt to suffer in, um, in silence and in shame. That shame and stigma cannot be separated from long-standing association between blackness and madness, blackness and psychological or intellectual inferiority and related cultural inheritances. Um, because this is a podcast, you know, I talk about it being a love letter to myself and a love letter to black people who are out there. Like I talk about the things that happen weekly. I wanted to touch on that area because I think that shame and blackness is something that we are working through. Um, why was it so important for you to, for that to be a chapter and for that to be a thing? Um, a different reason. First of all, because um, there's always shame around talking about shame. That is just the complete, yeah. um, almost absurdity of it. Just the word shame, yeah. speaking, just saying shame brings shame into mm. our consciousness. And because it's an emotion that makes us feel uncomfortable, but because also it's an emotion that taps into our very own internalized oppression yes. and internalized racism, rather than understanding that we feel shame, we think mm -hmm. that we feel shame because there's something shameful Ooh. about us. And if we feel there's something shameful about us, then we're not going to open up. In fact, we're going to close down. Yes. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that whiteness is 
especially if you think around colonial and imperial tactics, has been very much centered on a particular view, use, weaponization of Christianity. And mm -hmm. as part of that, there is lots of shame that Ooh. is injected, that has had been injected in the formal colonial subject. Not only because, um, well, you're not white, so therefore you are not human, so therefore mm -hmm. you are inferior, feel ashamed about your subhumanness nature, that's that. Yeah. But also, look, Lord is white. Lord is us. Lord tells us blackness equals that. Lord tells us that whiteness equals innocence. Whiteness equals uh, purity. Whiteness mm -hmm. equals virtuality. And blackness equals dirt, equals sex equals yeah. um, evil. All the stuff that if you look in the Bible is of course sinful. So through that, there is another level that encourages people through colonialism and the sequelae of that to um, have this fundamental association with shame. But then also, if you think about what happened in the media, just day to day, you open uh, you know, a newspaper, you look at the media, how often do you really see blackness celebrated? In all his glory, mm -hmm. yeah, as beautiful as being creative, as being a force within society when it comes to innovation, when it comes to directing culture, when it comes to actually producing, producing mm. artistically or scholarly, right? Very little. So we are constantly injected, projected with shame, and so of course it's no, it's no surprise that we struggle with that. Um, and shame is very much correlated with psychological distress. And in fact, there are very few emotions that have such a strong correlation between them and psychological distress. Shame and possibly sadness. Shame, much more powerful in terms of creating psychological disturbance, actually, than sadness. Wow. People don't know that. Wow. Because it's the thing that you want to push down and you push it further and you push it further. And there's there's no, no room to even go, you know, to to interrogate it and to explore what it might be. Whereas sadness, maybe you're just a bit more open to yeah. why am I sad? Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, thank you for that. And then the last bit that I wanted, well, not the last bit, because I, you know, I implore everyone to get this. But what I think we touched on earlier was about how we met and how we connected and we have been in connection since. Um, on the uh, chapter Black Resistance, you talk about um, connecting as resistance. One of the reasons why racism inflicts trauma is because it forces us to disconnect. The disconnection is amplified in contexts of exclusion and marginalization. This cultural homelessness that so many of us must learn to be at home with is constantly triggered by everyday microaggressions and covert othering messages. It is within the sense of homelessness that so much intergenerational trauma um, resonates and that is carried through beyond individualized coping and resistance strategies. There must therefore be community level healing that nurtures the soul and strengthens our bonds. And I think that your book is phenomenal, but that bit really, really stuck with me because people are always like, but how do we change things? How do we change things? And constantly we are being reminded by um, amazing thinkers such as yourself and, um, you know, um, other Black feminist theories, um, theorists specifically, that community is where the healing is and the encouragement of connection is where the healing is. Obviously, your um, culture, your cultural background is rich, but did you come to this understanding before psychotherapy about the connection um, or otherwise? 
No, and let me be clear that it's not psychotherapy that has given me that thinking around connection. I think if I must give credit to that idea, <laughs> I would say, first of all, African philosophies and Black yes. Yes. Let's not give yes. that idea. Um, let's not credit that idea to psychotherapy. I didn't get it from psychotherapy. That doesn't mean to say that there hasn't been school of psycho, um, psycho psychotherapists or psychologists even who have um, spoken about connection. Of course, there have been particularly people who work a bit more relationally or with relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So let's be clear. But nonetheless, the idea of the idea of community in the sense that I have in mind came from blackness and Africanness. Yes, so it's important that we that we say um, that. Listen, is it really is it really a coincidence that so much um, when it comes to oppression, when it comes to white supremacy, when it comes to even a kind of uh, patriarchal thinking is based on individualism? Think about it, right? It's not a coincidence that if you think about the prototypical, uh, you know, white male, um, perhaps Western-based thinker, individualism is going to be to him king, right? Because mm -hmm. individualism just everything to people. First of all, if you are a colonial master, if you have a slave owner that you are um, going to need, you are going to need to rely on punishment on you are going to rely on violence on brutality on sadism just to keep your wealth and to keep the system going of course you need to cut from what's going on in the world how are you going to as a human yeah. being tolerate the harm that is that you are doing that takes yes. around you so individualism serves that function it also serves the function of connecting people of disconnecting people and so therefore of stopping people coming together to organize to yes. heal and grow and so of course communities have been fragmented you know again divide and rule based on the same um, thinking around uh, splitting, around disconnection. And yes. if you even go as far as thinking about why is it, why is it that uh, people who have been in position of power keep telling us that we are divided from our environment, that we are completely disconnected, that we exist in some kind of bubble where the ground, we walk on, the air, we breathe, has no relationship to our wellness and to our communal uh, community healing because we make money out of destroying the environment. Yes. <laughs> you think about all of those things. Well, how are you going to resist? Well, you resist wherever there is what I would call an unnatural disconnection, you reinforce the bond. If there mm. is a disconnection between the mind and the body, something else that Wynes kind of advocates, then we say we want to honor our body. We want yes. to trust our body. We must not treat our bodies like colonial sites and subject them to abuse, to sadism, to you know being ignored. We need to recenter our body. We need to think about how we connect to one another, given that so much that we have internalized is that we are not trustworthy. We are violent, we are aggressive, we do black and black, you know, black on black crime. All of this stuff is saying that no, actually, we want to love one another. We want to actually be here and be there for one another. So at every level that there is disconnection because of whiteness or because of other structures of power, we want to say we want to do the opposite. And that is yes. also absolutely, it is resistance, it is defiance.
yeah no I love it and I love that you know um in this conversation that you have with us in the book you know there's there's case studies and um there there's there's you know homework there's homework literally there as well to get us to that's why I call it like um a conversation that's why I call it dialogue because it's not just about you talking talking you're also like okay now here's your work to do have a think about this consider this and um that sort of I want to say empowerment, but I also think it's just a sense of reminding people that the power right. is within them and, and that they should use that and be autonomous in um, in their own healing and in their own kind of identification of the structures that they exist within. Um, so I'm just I just love that for you. I love that for us that you've gifted us with this. And I know that you're currently writing the, your next book. Yes, I'm writing White Mind, which is a different a different book. It's related, of course, it's about whiteness. But what I try to do in kind of um, in Living World Black, my main interest was to help Black people heal. Yes. Right? To make people feel seen, to make people feel heard, feel held, so that, you know, when you go through a rough time, you can think, okay, what things can I do to look after myself? The best thing, of course, the best way of engaging with those kind of activities is to do it on a regular basis because you decrease your vulnerability if you engage anyone on a regular basis. Yes. But at least you know where you can go for some activities that are going to be consistent with your worldview, with your experience of the world and with your political beliefs. So that was number one. Now, white mind is really centered around whiteness. And it's about saying to white people, listen, mm -hmm. this thing we call white supremacy, Mm -hmm. and it's you as well right yes so yeah. it's not a case of saying that black people are harmed by racism um, and that white people are to be to some degree are the um the subject that escape unscathed and the all-powerful we need to completely reframe that story it's not helpful for us to believe that we are constantly the one hurting wounding right yes, um, yeah. it's not helpful for us there is absolutely some damage that is done to the psyche of white groups, right? Definitely. There's trauma, there is issues to do with thinking, basic, basic issues. Emotional processing, emotional, emotional processing. processing. Major, yeah, yeah. Management, when it comes to issues of race, when it comes mm -hmm, to issues mm -hmm, of mm -hmm, racism, mm -hmm. issues to do with denial, not wanting to see, getting aggressive, getting violent, one challenge, no one that is happy no one that is psychologically healthy behave in that way. Yes. So it's about time that we say, okay, whiteness is a force for destruction of everyone's psyche. The, the, the pain is different. The experience might be different. The damage might be different, but it doesn't mean to say that people in position of power are not damaged. They are damaged. They are as damaged, if not more damaged than us, to be frankly yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah. In a way that they don't realise and they're ill-equipped to um, navigate, um, should yeah. they want to, should they want to. Yeah. No, thank you so much, Ghislaine. I think that I, 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 I'm looking forward to the next book, but I'm enjoying this one. I, I, I know that is something that I've already referenced so many times in different oh, rooms so that I'm in. Like when I do my keynotes or when I do workshops, I'm, I'm constantly talking to them about this book because it's important for us. It's important for us, as you say, to, to feel seen, to feel heard and um, to, to be given the vocabulary that I feel like allows us to go forward and and do the things that we need to do and to be able to speak about the world that we exist within so thank you for that 
You are more than welcome. It's it's an honor. It's it's absolutely an honor for me to be here. It's been an honor to write a, a book that I'm so convinced is a book that's going to make a difference, right? Yes, uh, yes. Whether even if this book was, it's been well received, but even if everyone, every white, every white, white person, every critic had said the book was rubbish, I knew in my heart, this is a book that's important. Yes, yes. In my heart, that's a book that needed. So I feel I fulfill an important, uh, an important reason for my existence. So I'm, amen, I'm, I'm amen. I'm and I, I look forward to being able to experience, you know, one some of the other reasons, because I know that you exist for so many re reasons, and I'm just glad to be able to be in connection with you and in community with you. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you so much. And same to you, my sister. <laughs> Yeah, so I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ghislaine and I really do hope that you go and get Living While Black. Um, it's just, it's a really, 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 really cool book. Um, it deserves our support. I love when books by black people are written um, and talking to black people. I know that Ghislaine's next book is called White Minds and she'll be talking to white people. That's none of my business. Um, I hope they have a great conversation, but of course we will be, I, you know I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it and I'll be recommending it to the wayward whites that find themselves in my mentions and be like, this is the book for you because it's going to help you work through a lot of things. Um, so it's just great that the work is being done and it's being done from a place of integrity, which um, I really, really appreciate. Uh, but yeah, that's that. So two slaps on your chest, Gilan Kinuani, for doing the bits and doing the bobs. I appreciate you. Um, and now big up the next of this week's show sponsors who are Skillshare. Be right back. Every human was born to create. Whether you last picked up a paintbrush yesterday or in grade school, you can explore your creativity and be inspired. Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning. With so much to explore, real projects to create and the support of fellow creatives, Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. Um, and I think it's really great when um, you uh, have a project that you're focusing on, when you're doing something for yourself. Um, I think that it really, really helps that it gives structure. I know that I'm definitely enjoying my guitar lessons. That's giving me structure. Um, although I got my nails done the other week and then I couldn't have my guitar lessons, but they're coming off now so I can get back to doing what I am doing. Um, one of the courses that looks really, really interesting here is indoor gardening, grow house plants, veggies and herbs with Ekta Chowdhury. Um, I like the idea of that because I, as you know, I'm a plant killer, killer, killer plant killer and I need to get better at looking after plants and I do one day want to be able to like grow veggies and grow tomatoes I'd love to grow a young tomato I'd love to grow a young cucumber and then like pickle the cucumber I feel like I'd be really in my bag like Khalees that's really what I'm trying to do so um yeah whether you're a dabbler or a pro or a hobbyist or a master you're a creative so discover what you can make with classes for every skill level experience real improvement with hands-on projects and classes designed for real life skillshare entire catalogue of um classes now offers subtitles in spanish french Portuguese and Dutch. Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. So explore your creativity at skillshare.com forward slash straws. That's S-K-I-L-L-S-H-A-R-E dot com uh, forward slash straws and get a one month free trial of premium membership. That's one month of a premium membership at skillshare.com forward slash straws. Now let's get to 
So You Mad. So this week on So You Mad, um, not a lot's going on because I saved all of my energy, obviously, for the Sao Paulo GP, aka the Brazilian uh, Grand Prix. Um, But I saw a post by Lakeith Stanfield that I thought was really, really interesting and really kind of speaks to the, I guess, like mentality of men. Um, uh, It says here, um, my first facial. So there's a picture of Lakeith. He's got um, like a white kind of um, mask on his face like um, and he's got a towel around his head and he's clearly in some kind of place getting a treatment done and his beard isn't covered in the stuff just the skin areas and it says here my first facial wow that hurt but I'm tired of having acne every ever every since I was 14 so hey a first for everything I also feel kind of racist right now but it's racist against whites. And after all they've gone, um, after all they've done, they can use a little racism if you ask me. So it doesn't count. The lady's really nice and has soft hands and is cool. She liked the music I played. I played Clearwater Credence Revival. They fire, like my face. My face is on fire. Well, this is interesting. People do this regularly. Okay, wow. Hmm, all right, bye. It... (laughs) It really felt like a stream of consciousness that we did not need to be privy to. But I just thought it's so interesting, like a man having a facial and going through all of those emotions. Like also, why is the facial burning? But maybe it's some kind of intense something, something, especially if it's to do with acne or to help with acne. But I just thought that was interesting that the facial is burning. Um, And it just definitely does feel like Lakeith is slowly on the path to like, um, high, personal hygiene and grooming himself because I do remember that magazine cover where the his nails were dirty and I still have so many questions about that because what when you were as the photographer you didn't clock that his nails were dirty was there not a styling team no one went raw it looks like you've been scratching your ass crack with the you know with the state of your nails let's do something about that you fully did that whole cover or where, whatever it was that feature and the crust was just there in his in in his nails and i did gag i did feel a bit sick so i'm not surprised that now we've reached a stage where he's like oh my god facials and i remember listening to the read last week and they were talking about kid furious talking about dude wipes like they literally had to market um wet wipes um or you know moisturized um uh tissue to get men to use it or to make them feel like yeah you know this is not feminine for me to be cleaning my bum like you fam fam you think it's you think it's a big just wash your ass just wash your ass please just wash your ass just clean your bum clean your bum life is so much easier especially for the women who are tasked with dating you just clean your ass please god why is it so hard um so i definitely saw that and i thought wow you know well done you're getting a facial you know, that's good that you're taking charge of that um, part of your life, hopefully cleaning your nails, hopefully drinking your water, because really that's what makes all of the difference, really making sure you're drinking your water as well as having these treatments. And I, I don't quite know if he drinks a lot of water, um, but I hope he does start. I hope he does that for himself. Um, and then um, my next, well, yeah, I've, going off that actually, because I'm looking at my notes. The next thing was I watched The Harder Day Fall. Um, obviously I did the Netflix, um, you know, collab thing for it. And, you know, I think that the conversation around it is valid, but I think that sometimes when certain groups of men, certain types of men are involved in a project, 
naturally the love interest in that project will be light-skinned and we can't shy away from it we do exist in a colorist society we do and we do find that oftentimes certain types of black men perpetuate that they don't see anything wrong with what they're doing and people try to justify it by being like yeah but regina king isn't it and this other actress is in it and they're not light-skinned and you know they did what they needed to do and actually their roles felt more empowering and look you can reframe it in whichever way you want to right you can reframe it in whichever way you want to some people said that raw they didn't even think that the actor, if you're going to get a light-skinned um, woman, maybe get one that has stronger chops for that particular role. I don't know. I don't have an opinion on that personally because a lot of the ones that I see, I don't even think that they're acting bangs like that anyway. But okay, fine. That's another way to look at it. But ultimately, I do feel like, yeah, when it comes to, oh, and this character is going to be desirable, you do find that certain types of men, not all of them, certain types of black men will cast light-skinned women in those roles. It just goes without saying. But that is not my personal problem. I thought overall as a film, it was all right. It was strong. I kind of saw the... um, the ending coming um all I can say is Jonathan Majors oh my god I just need you to know you should know that I love you yeah like honestly just a beautiful man just Jonathan Majors you're just so beautiful and I love your acting love your face love your body well done well done um so that was that for the harder they fall and then i read that because i'm recording this on remembrance day sunday and the breaking news breaking news was that um just poisoned him and i won't tell you who um it says here the queen will not attend the remembrance day and um, the remembrance sunday service at the cenotaph in london because she has sprained her back my girl, just break off your back, break off your back, break off your back, off your back, off your back. Um, I mean, I didn't, I, I'm not one to judge. Uh, I just, you know, I, I guess she was getting in a hot girl autumn, um, you know, after um, Phil disappeared or, you know, is off the scene. Maybe Lizzie's thinking, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. Let me get it in before I need to get up out of here, you know? And she sprained her back in the process. Maybe she saw that video of the woman that was riding her, her, her friends or her nieces or her cousins and showing them how to get a guy to pay rent. And she was doing reverse cowgirl. Maybe Lizzie saw that and said, Oh, one must, one must really explore what that feels like before one leaves the earth. And, um, I'm going to hell, and and so and she and so she did, you know. Um, Lizzie wanted to kind of see Wagwan before she has to um see what's down there. Um, you know, it's just a lot. It's just a lot. But you know, ultimately, your back. Why won't your back hurt, Elizabeth? Why won't your back hurt when you're carrying the weight? of your son's waywardness, um, of his predatory ways, of his rapey ways, of his molesting ways, why won't your, allegedly, why won't your back hurt when you're carrying all of that, carrying all of that instead of letting your son carry it for himself, you're literally carrying him on your back to go and hide him, um, in the Scottish castle, wherever you lot like to reside, so why won't your back hurt, when you're bending over backwards to do everything in your power to stop this guy going to jail, move out the way, move, get out the way, get out the way, Liz, get out the way, 
Oh no. He zips out. We're about to, t- sorry. <laughs> sorry. That's, that was going to go somewhere else. It's going to go somewhere else. We don't want it to go there. But honestly, homegirl's tired. It's time to rest, Lizzie. Pack up the mon- monarchy, pack it all in. Just go and rest. Like, leave all of this alone. We don't need you anymore. And you know that people are getting, that people are super over the monarchy now. When I tell you that the banter online, when this was breaking news, the banter was elite, no pun intended. <laughs> the banter was top tier, right? So that's just kind of showing you the kind of apathy that people now have towards the monarchy. Like before it would have been like, oh my God, Granny Liz, oh my God, I can't believe that she, oh my God, she hurt her back. That was just like, yeah, maybe go and relax. Maybe go and relax. You've been doing a lot. You've been doing the most. Go away. Um, And honestly, like from an empathetic point of view, yeah, go and rest, you're an old woman. But also from a perspective or somebody who was colonized by you and your people, them, get out go go just go 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 and why won't your back hurt when all of you've been doing all that you've been doing is carrying the loads that do not belong to you all the jewels all the crowns that you've been wearing on your head that don't belong to you that's why your back is hurting heavy is the head that wears the crown that was stolen isn't it that's the way it is um but yeah go rest and give up your son give up your son let what needs to happen let it happen as far as i'm concerned um Talking of other people that should um, be dealing with past bits and not moving mad, the Museum of the Home, they put out a statement um, because they've been getting dragged, rightfully so. The, the, um, so the Museum of the Home, they have a statue out front of a slave owner, um, Robert Jeffrey is um one of the statues on the museum's um on the museum's buildings and um they're saying that well you know this is to acknowledge his donation to build the almshouses they've put out a statement and they said the statue reflects the historic connection the museum buildings have to jeffrey on um um, an English merchant who made part of his money from his investment in the transatlantic slave trade. And that's where you, the museum of the home, that's where you lot are raggedy bitches. Because what do you mean part of his fortune, part of his money? What do you mean? All his money came from that, all of it. Even if he mit- and redirected some of it into other ventures, the root of the money is still blood. So what are you talking about? Jeffrey is not connected to the founding of the museum or its collections, which is more of a reason why you should get rid of the fucking statue. Um, it goes on to say the legacy of the transatlantic slavery of transatlantic slavery within our history. We acknowledge the pain caused by the connections between the museum buildings and the forced labor and trading of enslaved Africans. There is much debate within the museum and its wider communities about what the statue of Jeffrey symbolizes today. The Black Lives Matter movement has demonstrated a profound need for people and institutions to educate themselves about the legacy of structural racism and colonialism. We have a responsibility to act against injustice and it, and this includes confronting the legacy of colonialism and the and transatlantic slavery within our own history. Then they go on to say the museum's position on the future of the Jeffrey statue. The Museum of the Home strives to be a welcoming place for all. We feel that the statue of Robert Jeffrey on the front of the museum's buildings does not promote the sense of belonging that is so important for our visitors and the fundamental and fundamental to the museum's values. We have been listening to many views and considering all options considering the display of the Jeffrey statue. 
We believe there is potential to retain the statue on site, but in an alternative and less prominent place where we can better tell the full story of the history of the buildings and Robert Jeffrey's life, including his involvement in transatlantic slavery. Next steps. As a grade one listed building, there is legislation that the museum must take into account in making um, any decision. The museum will work closely with its stakeholders as anticipated additional guidelines are issued by the Department of Digital Culture, Media and Sport on effective decisions concerning heritage, as well as the process around listed building consent. And then they go on to say contextualising and reinterpreting the statue. We are developing a curatorial programme to explain and contextualise the statue on site. When the museum reopened in June 2021, we installed a panel near the statue telling a fuller history of Jeffrey, including his connections with the forced labour and trading of enslaved Africans and acknowledging that the statue is the subject of much, much discussion. The museum continues to develop its programme of curatorial work, explaining and recontextualising the statue and exploring the themes of migration, race and identity in the context of home. Through this programme, we confront, challenge and learn from the uncomfortable truths of the origins of the museum buildings and fulfil our commitment to diversity and inclusion. When the museum reopened in June 2021, we installed a panel at ground level beneath the statue with a brief overview of who Robert Jeffrey was. This includes his connections with forced labour and trading of enslaved people from Africa and acknowledges that the statue is the subject of intense debate. We also commissioned Michael McMillan to make the film um, Waiting for Myself to Appear, exploring ideas around black women's identity, gender, diaspora migration and home. The film is a permanent exhibit in the um, Almshouses Chapel. In spring 2022, we will reopen Arms House 14 to the public after a period of closure due to COVID-19 restrictions. While closed, we have reinterpreted the information and displays in um, Arms Houses 14 to further explore the museum building's connection to Robert Jeffrey. We are confronting, challenging and learning from the uncomfortable truths of the origins of the museum buildings to fulfil our commitment to diversity and inclusion discussion and debate about the statue. Following an initial process of reflection, debate and research and public consultation conducted in partnership with Hackney Council in July 2020, the Board of Trustees of the museum decided to keep and explain the statue of Robert Jeffrey in its current position. Public consultation. The museum wanted to seek feedback on the future of the statue and held a public consultation to help inform the board's decision-making process. The online consultation was designed as an easy, accessible way for as many people as possible, particularly local residents, to um, have their say on this important issue. Over 2,000 people took time to share their views. Overall, the response was in favour of removing the statue. There was a wide range of responses and suggestions, including how the museum should share the historic connections between the buildings and Jeffrey. So I will feel like I'll pause there. You had over 2,000 people who took the time to tell you that they no longer want this pussy clock statue up anywhere around the museum of the home. And you went, you know what? Thanks, girlies. That was great. Thank you so much for letting us know. However, we're going to keep the statue where it is. We're just going to add a bit more information and just be like, oh my God, yeah, he was a bad guy. He was a bad guy. But you know, 
which of us, who, who of us isn't bad, you know, he without sin and all of that, stones and all of that, you know, let's, you know, let's, 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 let's think about this in a, would you, would you be recontextualizing a statue of Hitler? Because a lot of times people don't want to go there, but we need to go there because the number of people who died as a result of the transatlantic slave trade, as a result of colonialism, all of that is vast. It's absolutely vast. Even when you've got people like that pussy Clark David Starkey or Sharkey, whatever the fuck his name is, talking about, oh, well, it couldn't be considered um, genocide. Well, um, colonialism and transatlantic slave trade couldn't be considered genocide because why are there still so many blacks? That's, that's, that's genuinely how people, how people feel. Like, if you want us to take it seriously, more of you lot should have died. But then if that had happened, you wouldn't be still be taking it seriously because we wouldn't be here to tell our stories. So you wouldn't be recontextualizing a statue of Hitler, but somehow it's okay to recontextualize and reinterpret um, statues um, as they pertain to the transatlantic slave trade as they pertain to colonialism, like, that's all right, get rid of the fucking statue, it's not about putting it somewhere else, putting it in a basement, wherever, just throw it away, mash it up, mash it up, nobody needs to see it, it doesn't matter if you donate it to this and donate it to that, he needs to go, as with all the other people who have buildings and things named after that, and named after them, all of them need to go, because it's absolutely fucked, and it's actually such a massive disrespect to people who have suffered as a result, of the transatlantic slave trade and colonialism to then be like, oh, well, we're just going to leave it up, guys. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. You niggas aren't slaves no more. No, that's not fair. That's not fair. Kalechi, you're horrible. You're disgusting behavior. Disgusting, Kalechi. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say on that, really. I mean, I saw all the stuff about Dominic Cummings talking about um, uh, Boris Johnson not wanting to leave, lead the country because he didn't want to lead the country because he was busy writing his Shakespeare book. And all I really have to say is that this country's fucked. Like, you've got clear evidence time and time again that Boris Johnson is a pussy clerk. Um, Dominic Cummings, who was his closest aide, is telling you all of these things. And everybody's like, oh my God, that's so terrible. Like all of them having second jobs, doing this. Um, Arcuri, the girl that he was fucking, she's also, she's saying her things as well. It's just like, you know what? The world's going to hell in a handbasket. So, you know, Boris, do what you're doing because I just don't have the vim anymore. Don't have anything else to say to you. But anyway, let's move on to start your motors that I'm very excited about um, because, you know, why not? It's, it's amazing times, amazing times. Woo. So start your motors. Well, so much happened this week or this weekend that one cannot deny the presence of the ancestors. So on behalf of Hamilton, who might not be aware of how the ancestors roll currently, I would just say thank you ancestors for coming through um, at the Brazilian Grand Prix and showing up and showing out. The support that Hamilton received was so, so beautiful because when I tell you the ops were out in full force, the ops did not want this guy to succeed and whoa, was it a mighty battle. Let's start from the very beginning, yeah? So the structure of the um, Brazilian Grand Prix meant that we also had a sprint qualifying and you already know how I feel about these sprint qualifiers. So I've explained it to you before, we've got the traditional qualifying and that happened on a Friday. Yeah, I think that happened on a Friday. And then we had the sprint qualifying on a Saturday. So if you, so, because Hamilton drove the fastest, um, he drove the fastest lap on the Friday qualifying 
it meant that he had um, pole position for the sprint qualifying on um, the Saturday. So sprint qualifying was, um, let me just bring it up because sprint qualifying, there was so much that was happening. I want to make sure that I've got all the info right. And while, while I'm even bringing up the info, do you know what really pisses me off? Yeah. I really can't stand people who have to, I say all the time, I can't stand people who have to jump on burners to send horrendous messages. And then some of them aren't even like terrible, terrible, but, um, Somebody tweeted the other day and said, like, oh, um, I'm learning so much about the Grand Prix from Kelechi. And I said, you know what? I'm so glad because with all the things that I'm teaching people, when the Miami Grand Prix comes around next year, rolls around next year, I think it's May 22nd or something, I better be going. This person comments and goes, taught, that's a bit arrogant. Um, you're a novice at best or you're a novice at best. But you're talking from behind a burner, Ben03, and I got your account locked off. So there's that. But when I looked on this page, I saw that it's me that has been sent abuse. Ash and the stat has been sent abuse. Dr. Shola has been sent abuse. So you're, you're targeting black people. And all you're saying is like, oh, you guys spend too much time online. Stop talking. But meanwhile, you've come online. And clearly this is not your main page because you're not following anyone from this page. Nor are you being followed by anybody. So that means you have another page that you're watching people on where you're pretending to be normal and then you're jumping on your burner account to send messages to people or send tweets to people about, oh, you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that. Get off the, get off the internet. You're, you ain't shit. You ain't this, you ain't that. But look at you, look at what you're doing with your life. And that's why everything you love will be destroyed by the end of this year, because that's what you deserve, because it's actually just ridiculous now. I mind my own business and in my own corner of the internet. Yeah, people will just come and send me nonsense for no reason. I can't help that I bang. I can't help that I'm vibes. I can't help that I'm a baby girl. Do you get me? I can't help that. I can't help the fact that if I'm interested in a subject, the passion that I feel for it means that other people are going to get interested in that subject as well. It's just the way that it is. That's why I'm a one woman podcast and I slap so hard that I bang so heavy. Like, that is why. Where are all your other solo podcasts? I've got, I've got all of the personalities and that might be a problem that I need to see a psychotherapist about, but I've got all the personalities. So it's basically like I'm hosting with more than one person. Like I really come with that vim. I really come with that spice. I really come with that passion. So who the fuck are you to be telling me about, oh, you're this and you're that. Go suck out your mother, you fucking dickhead. Like from when you can't write something from your main page, that lets us know that you're chemically imbalanced, like there's something wrong with you, like the demons are dealing with you, demons are living with living within you and they're not even paying mortgage, that is actually wild, leave people alone to enjoy the things that they enjoy and it's undeniable that a vast number of people that listen to this podcast have been brought into the F1 game, even if some of them might have been interested in before, the angle that I bring to the game is actually mad, right, and, and I'm yet to be acknowledged for my vim, I'm yet to be acknowledged for my spice, but I believe that it will happen, you know, I think about the reading earlier, when it was part three, I decided, like, oh, you know what, I'm actually going to talk about this on my podcast, because I watch this, and I talk about it in person to people, and I mention it off the cuff, that, yeah, you know, Formula One or whatever, but I'm actually going to bring the, the thing that I enjoy, rather than having a separate podcast for it, I'm actually going to talk about it on this podcast, because why not? I always say that this podcast is, um, um, like, a love letter to myself, and if it's a love letter to myself, I'm bringing all of it to, I'm bringing all of me to it, you can skip past if you want to, that's your business, but you're missing out on a whole lot of drama, I'll tell you that, so I'm just going to do me, and, and because I've been doing me, I'm seeing like, like, 
Twitter is fun for me again. Do you get me? Like, social media hasn't been fun for me for a long time. Instagram, all of that. It feels like a burden. And I know that I don't have to be on it, but at the same time, I come on it because sometimes you need these numbers to be able to do the things that you're trying to do elsewhere. And the fact of the matter, the, the very nasty, crass fact of the matter is that even in terms of acting, you need to be able to show that you've got a bit of a, um, you know, a following these days. In terms of publishing, you need to be able to show that you've got a bit of a following these days. So don't get it twisted. I'm not on there just for the sake of being on there now I just tweet about the things that I want to tweet about and keep it moving everything else I just try to leave it and and stay out of everybody else's business because I just don't want to be involved like that so now I'm sharing the passion about something I'm sharing my passion about something that I you know that I care about or I'm sharing this thing that I care about that I'm passionate about and then you just got people that are trying to dampen the thing and it's just like fuck off like you unhappy people do unhappy things we know this already but why won't you just let other people enjoy? Why won't you just leave people alone? But, um, you know what? It is what it is because, um, I still ended up having a great time online talking to everybody else about, um, the Grand Prix. We had, um, a great time. It was beautiful. I'm just trying to see how many laps did we have of, um, qualifying of spring qualifying? I think we had, was it like 25 laps? I think it was 25, wasn't it? I think it was 25 laps. I could be wrong. It could be like 24. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely um, amazing. So let me get back to the story anyways, what, what I was saying before, before I got distracted by saying all of the rest of this stuff. Um, so we had the first qualifying on Friday. Hamilton was the fastest. He was faster than Verstappen by like four tenths of a second. And... Um, yeah, the girls were big mad. The girls were big mad. So we already knew from Friday that Hamilton was going to have a five-place five grid penalty because he got a new internal combustion engine. So that means he's, like I told you before, that means he's going to be faster than all the rest of the girls. So that means that he's going to start a bit further behind. But because this wasn't his first um, engine change or whatever, they're not going to penalise him as much as they did earlier on in the season. So he's only getting five a five-place grid penalty this time. So, boom, we already know that. So, that means that he needs to start on pole position because um, he's if he gets pole position, which is at the front of the grid because he's he's the fastest qualifier, um, that means that he's going to start in, like, what, sixth? He's going to start sixth on the grid, or is it? No, he's going to start fifth on the grid, right? Cool. So, Friday now, he's super fast. Everybody's like, rah, matting, matting, matting. Um, only four that pussy Clark Verstappen crash Stappen to now go to when they're um, parked up in Park Fer, uh, Park Ferme, which is where they stop when they when the race is finished. They're parked up there now um, because he's driven this amazing race or whatever, dream, dream, driven this amazing qualifier. Verstappen comes out of his car, goes to b behind Hamilton's car and starts like yanking at stuff and touching stuff. So he's touching the rear wing of Hamilton's car. You are not allowed to do that. You are not allowed to touch another driver's car in Park Ferme. You're not allowed to do that. But he's touching up the car now. Next thing you know, the stewards are um, summoning um, uh, Mercedes, summoning Ham um, Hamilton because there's something about the rear wing that they say that might be illegal. And so they're going to investigate it. They don't give us a um, they don't give us an answer that Friday. In fact, they impound the rear wing of the car because nah, it's that serious. They've impounded the rear wing of the car and they say that they'll get back to everybody in the morning. So we're all waiting for an answer, waiting for an answer now. 
but at the same time, you're going to have to um, summon that little pussy clerk to um, the steward's office as well. Because why is he touching people's cars? And why is it after he's touched the car, suddenly there's an issue with the car? So in the morning, they now come forward and they say that um, Hamilton has been disqualified from qualifying because when they went and checked his rear wing, when it opens up for DRS or whatever, um, opens up 0.2 millimetres wider than it should, which could give him an unfair advantage and make him that much faster. Can you see the bullshit? Can you see the absolute bullshit? Like, what are you talking about? 0.2 millimetres. And I know that all of these measurements mean something because of mathematics and physics and all of that, but 0.2 millimetres. And also, how did Verstappen's eyes clock that, that, that something was off by 0.2 millimetres? It sounds like somebody was already thinking something already. Like, they were already feeling a particular type of way. And it's interesting, like, when you're winning, you don't give a shit about what's happening with Hamilton's car, but in the moment you're not winning, suddenly you want to turn into Inspector Gadget really bitch really so um they decide because he's been disqualified now he's not going to get to have that pole position anymore that he earned for the um for the sprint qualifier and he's going to start from 20th he's going to start from the back of the grid for the sprint qualifier mad madness madness at this point it's clear that you lot just don't want Hamilton to win and you're going to do everything in your power to just frustrate the process and from what I understood when it came down to sprint qualifying anyway or when they were even doing like um final practice they put another rear wing on that wasn't too different to the rear wing that they had and basically Mercedes said oh you know it must have broken off some somehow but we installed it the way that we were meant to install it so it was an honest mistake meanwhile all of these lot are jumping on Hamilton's page talking about you're a cheat you're a cheat you're a cheat you're a cheat from 0.2 millimeters are you all fucking all right are you all fucking all right or is your mum's milk sour you dickheads so um fine whatever so um they've put a new um thingamajig on now and um you know a new rear wing or another rear wing rather and he does final practice and then we go into sprint qualifying and he starts from 20th on the grid trust and believe homeboy finished fifth fifth he sliced through everybody he sliced through everybody and Bottas ended up getting pole position because he overtook Verstappen and he got pole position and, um, and Verstappen wasn't able to get it back. Do you want to go and check um, Bottas's rear wing as well? Do you want to go and check that? And then when they're talking to him afterwards, he's like, oh, yes, I, I was looking and it's very difficult to um, get past them. It was very difficult to get past um, to get past the um, um, Bottas today. But, you know, we go again tomorrow. And that's it. You're so focused on Hamilton that even Bottas got you. Bottas got you in a sprint qualifying. Now what, ho? Now what? So, because Hamilton did an incredible drive, um, drove just inc- just amazingly. Like, the vim that he brought to that. Imagine he was in 20th position. 20th place and he managed to go up 15 places in 25 laps do you understand that in our lifetime like it's unfathomable that somebody could do that he was cutting through everyone cutting cutting slicing chop 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 and he did so with such finesse. This is the thing. He didn't do gra-gra. He didn't have to come aggressive with the thing. He just drove with such beauty, with such precision. It was Im- incredible. And the best part was, after he did all of that, finished fifth position, which meant that he's going to now, uh, you now need to add the five-place grid penalty on top of that for Sunday's race. He would now be in 10th place to start. But if he could go from 20th 
to fifth, people knew that he was coming for their clerks on Sunday. Yes. Because from fifth position to 10th, okay, fine. From 10th position, he would have no problem. If he can go from 20th to fifth, that's 15 places. From 10th, he can definitely win. Definitely win. And all the girls were scared. All the Red Bull Dons were scared because they knew. They knew that no, all the weapons that they tried to form against him, it would not prosper. It would not prosper. And so we get to race day on Sunday. But you know, like at this point, he's devastated. He must be devastated because you can see clearly that they're trying to frustrate his process. Maybe in my next lifetime, or maybe in his next lifetime, maybe he too should steal um, steal a girl that was going out with his teammate. Maybe he too should steal the girl and the girl's the daughter of one of the stewards. Maybe that's what we all need to be doing these days to have this advantage. But see, Max's fans don't talk about that. They don't talk about all of that. It's all like, oh, well, no, Lewis has had all these championships handed to him and this now needs to stop and rah, rah, rah. But you don't talk about um, who people are dating and the benefits that come with those, right? When they said to him, what's the most expensive thing that you purchased? And he said, my girlfriend. You're not talking about all of that. But okay, fine. Do whatever you want. You will hear Lev like beating up a piece of um, whatever he's beating up in the in the living room. But, you know, we move. Um, but yeah, it was it was really, really heartbreaking. It was really, really heartbreaking to know that they would do that to him so I mean what do they do regarding the fact that um you know Verstappen is out here touching people's cars and doing whatever the hell he likes well they gave him a 50,000 euro fine I think it was 50,000 euros they got a 50,000 euro fine no no he should have gotten more than that because we can't be sure that you weren't the one that brought up the thing so we don't know. And while Hamilton said, oh, I don't think that what he did was rah, rah, rah. He had to be very, very diplomatic about how he phrased it. But he said that's still an open question. And I love that. Like, if you're going to be petty, we'll be petty too. I don't know if you touching my car was what caused the fuckery. Because the thing is, the next day now, when we're um, well, on actual race day, at some point, Lewis was still four tenths faster. Four tenths of a second faster. Even after you've done all of the higgy hagar and you said he can't use this rear wing and that rear wing, he's still faster, he was getting fastest lap after fastest lap after fastest lap, like, he chased all of you man down, and yeah, overall, it was just um, spectacular driving, spectacular driving, but I did say, I did tweet about the fact that I knew that Hamilton would do well in Brazil because he's closer to the he's closer to the ancestors there. Like I haven't been to Brazil, but I just know that the energy in Brazil is so potent, like it's so thick with um with the with the with the history and with the energies of um the um the, of the African people that were taken there. I, I believe that of many places. But it's so because they've kept up um kept with those kind of um indigenous religions and they um and spiritual systems and yes they um it evolved into something else or something different, slightly different over there in Brazil. But their energy is strong with that. They, they don't play when it comes to all of that stuff. So they were behind him greatly and he needed it because the op energy was just too much. Um well, as for race day, Bottas lost um, the pole position almost immediately. I feel like even before, as we were going into turn one, he'd already lost pole position that he got from sprint qualifying because he drove a really, really good race at sprint qualifying. Anything to keep um, Verstappen from getting those three points that he would have gotten from pole if um, if he'd won sprint qualifying. So I love that. So damage, damage limit, um, limitation rather. Um, but yeah, within a few laps, um, Hamilton was up, um, Bottas knew to move out of the way, like, Hamilton was just ready, like, 
from from tenth um position on the grid, you know, with, with, within no time at all, it was almost it was like he was in third, caught up with Perez, no problem, got past Perez, and then it was just a case of him and Verstappen like battling it out. Um, I felt a bit bad for Sonoda because he, I think he got into some kind of thing with Stroll. Um, so bits of the tra- uh, car were on the track, which meant that the safety car had to be deployed, like a physical safety car had to be deployed. And when that happens, all the drivers have to slow down and be behind the safety car while the debris is being cleared off the track. And the safety car even took them through the pit lane as well to give the marshals enough time to like clear the track. And I love that. The moment that happened, I said, yes, the ancestors are involved because they said they're not going to let Verstappen just zoom ahead. Because that happened, it kept everyone firmly together. It kept um, Hamilton, before he took overtook Perez, um, it kept Hamilton closely behind Perez. And it's just interesting because from then, Hamilton had already been saying through the radio, like, can they tell Bottas, tell Bottas to stay close behind me, tell Bottas to stay close behind me, because he knew that the strategy would be for Bottas to stay within Hamilton's DRS range so then the slipstream can help um can help Bottas to kind of keep up pace whereas once they all started going Verstappen didn't think about that when it came to Perez he was like bye ho and he zoomed off because you know he is desperate to keep that lead and this is the thing whether he wins this championship or not I hope it's the or not he won't have a comfortable time doing it. It will be a battle, yes, but I really hope that Hamilton can win his eighth world championship. I really hope so. And we can look at it and be like, look, all the obstacles that you lot tried to throw in the way, see, it still did not work because he still managed to do what he needed to do. And I do believe that um, three of the races that are left, because we've got, um, what's it, Qatar, um, we've got um, Saudi Arabia and we've got Abu Dhabi. Those are the only three races that are left. And I do believe that they genuinely work in um, Hamilton's um, favour, the way that he likes to drive, the way the circuits are, the way the car currently is. I really do believe that they'll work to his favour. And I also think about the fact that at some point, I think Verstappen might need to get another engine as well, which is going to mean, mean that he gets another grid penalty, um, which moves him down the grid. So as long as um, Hamilton can stay strong over the next few races, I think that, you know, we're, we're not done out here. We're not done out here yet. And and for a moment there, I was scared. I did think like, rah, how are we going to do this after Austin, Texas? I did think like, how are we going to do this? And, and after Mexico, I was just like, rah, I don't know if this is going to happen, you know, but today's race as in um you know uh Sao Paulo GP really showed that there's still a lot to fight for there's still a lot to go for and I keep saying I will not be surprised if Hamilton wins by half a point I don't mind arguing with the trolls who are like oh no it was Verstappen's to win half a point a quarter of a point I don't give a fuck as long as he wins that's all we care about out here but what how whatever the outcome is he has driven his ass off this year and I just think that it's, it's just been brilliant. But yeah, Sunoda got into a bit of a ting with um, Stroll. He, but he still managed to hold on there. Although I noticed that Ricardo got a did not finish this season. And he'd had like 35 races where that hasn't happened to him. And like he had a 35 race streak where he managed to kind of see through all of these races. So that's a bit upsetting for McLaren. Um, but he tried. As for Haas, I don't think that they've gotten a single point this season. I could be wrong. But... I feel like if you're, um, so Mazepin, Nikita Mazepin and Mick Schumacher, who's Michael Schumacher's son, they both drive for Haas, right? Haas is a mess. At this point, I just think that if you walked along the racetrack instead of being in a car, like they would end up in a better position. They'd have more points than Haas currently. That's what they need to do at this point. Just pack up the car, 
pack up the car or get Queen Elizabeth to carry the cars on her back because either way you're still going to finish um, further than what you're currently doing even with her back strain you'll finish further than you're currently doing um but um yeah, so all of that slowed Verstappen down. Even Latifi slowed him down at one point when he was coming out. He went to go and do a pit stop because he didn't want to get undercut by Hamilton. So he went and did a pit stop um, to change to, I think he changed to hard compound tyres, but he got caught up behind Latifi. So that slowed him down a little bit more, which meant that Hamilton had even a bit more of a lead. And I love that. Um, but yeah, I, I have to go back to the whole idea of the rear wing issue. People kept mentioning that, yeah, but at some point, Sebastian Vettel, he kicked um, Hamilton's wheel or something to check the... Pre he did something, but that part wasn't under investigation. So Seb Sebastian Vettel has nothing to do with it. You can use all the previous examples you like. The point of the, um, the, point of the matter is that when Verstappen touched the rear wing, that was the specific area that then the stewards wanted to investigate. So, of course, he deserved the fine, but I would have even given him a bigger fine. He should have also gotten a grid penalty if we're throwing grid penalties all around the place. But you know what, whatever. And it's interesting the rules that they have around cars and the penalties that you get for this and the penalties that you get for that. Because they literally held, they took off um, the front wing of his car, I believe, to give to, um, uh, to, give to Perez, and they took Perez's and put it on his when he needed it for a particular race. And that was fine. You know, even if you put um, Perez in detriment, that was fine. Because, you know, anything for the golden boy, anything for um, Verstappen to win. It's really sickening. Um, but, yeah, Schumacher's car was falling apart. I don't know, because he had a, a crash with an Alfa Romeo car. So it was all just a mess. And then at some point, because of that happened, we then had a virtual safety car. So not a physical safety car, but a virtu virtual safety car basically said all the drivers have to decrease their speed by 40% and no overtaking. So, again, all of that was working to Hamilton's favour, even if he didn't think so at the time. Um but the main part that stood out to me was then when um, Hamilton finally now caught up with Verstappen, the way that Verstappen was driving just told you everything that you need to know. The way that he was weaving on the track, trying to block Hamilton from getting ahead of him. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to weave on the track, except for when you're warming up your tyres. But that's not what you're doing at this stage. You're trying to stop him from getting ahead and you're using all the dirty tactics. At one point, he even tried to run him off the track. He ran him off the track and ran himself off the track. The, the stewards decided not to investigate it again. Of course, no surprise there. They decided not to investigate it. They decided to leave it. Um which is wild because I'm sure that if Hamilton had done that to him, sure, there would have been a time penalty. He should have gotten at least a five-second time penalty for that, for doing what he did. So even if he remained ahead of Hamilton, they would have deducted five seconds from his time and then that's where he would have been placed in terms of the you know, in terms of that race. But they didn't do that because they don't want to use, do anything to jeopardise his chances of winning this championship, but they'll do everything to stop Hamilton winning. That's what it feels like. They don't want to admit it. It's like, oh, the FIA wouldn't do that. They're impartial. They're not impartial. They're not impartial. They're a group of white men. They're not impartial by any stretch of the imagination. But in hindsight, Hamilton still got the overtaking done. And once he did that, there was no way that Verstappen could catch him because the Mercedes car that they have this season is really, really strong when it comes to the straights. When you're driving straight in a straight line, they're really strong, really, really strong. So you know, Hamilton won, ha ha ha, Verstappen ended up second, um, Bottas ended up third, which is great for Mercedes, because it means more points in terms of the Constructors' Championship, because prior to that, they only had a two-point lead in the Constructors' Championship ahead of, um, 
yeah, ahead of them people there, the Red Bull, um, the Red Bull Dons, the energy drink Dons, um, but obviously Christian Horner is still not satisfied, he still wants the car investigated, even though he's not saying so explicitly, he still wants the car investigated, but it's just, it just goes to show, like, the love that Hamilton got, like, literally every race since Silverstone, he's been getting booed every single race, this was the first one that they were chanting his name, that they were supporting him, and I also believe that due to the socio-political nature of what's happening in Brazil at the moment, the black people are feeling it so heavy, people are feeling it so heavy, so they came out in support of him in every manner of the word, because they understand that, they understand the dynamics that they're seeing, even if everyone wants to pretend that those dynamics aren't there, they understand what they're seeing, like, we're not dumb, we know what we're seeing, right? So I love that they were chanting for him and I love that he won because I think that that really played with um, Verstappen and got him nervous. But you see how he behaves under pressure. He's a little boy. He's a little boy. No matter how much you lot want him to be your world champion, he is still a little boy. And under pressure, he starts doing wild things like what he did there. And he thought that he had this championship in a bag. No, if you're going to have it, you're going to have to work a bit harder for it. That's just the way it is. So I fucking love it for Hamilton. I love that in the face of all of that adversity, he was still able to do what needed to be done. And um, yeah, I just I just think it's brilliant. Um, I think it's brilliant. But I think it's interesting that whenever some kind of incident happens with... Um, whenever some kind of racing incident happens, usually the stewards will show us this, they'll show us that. They don't want to show us what um, Verstappen's steering wheel did in that incident with um, Hamilton, where he made him go wide, almost into the pit wall, they don't want to show us that, or um, into the, you know, um, the, the, the wall on the side, the tire wall, show us the, his steering wheel, if he didn't intentionally drive into Hamilton to keep him away, show us the steering wheel footage, show us him actually there, but you don't want to show that, again, because you know that what you're doing is wrong, you know that what you're doing is dirty, you know that what you're doing is nasty, but maybe they will show us and maybe there was nothing there. But either way, I just think that it's fucking wild. But we're very, very excited, very happy for Hamilton that he managed to win this race and that we're going to um, Qatar um, feeling stronger. Like, I think that um, Verstappen still has a 13-point lead, but I don't think that that will be there for too long. I think that, you know, he won't struggle to um, do what needs to be done in that regard. So, um, yeah, I just think that overall it's, um, amazing, it's beautiful, we love it for him, um, and, you know, just more of it, more life, more life, there are only three races left, anything can happen, but I'm really hoping that what does happen is it did not finish in one of the races for, um, for, what is it, for, um, Max Verstappen, that's what I really hope, in fact, for Verstappen and Checo Perez, I'm really sorry, Sergio, I don't really have an issue with you, but in the principle of things, you need to get got to, as far as I'm concerned, um, and that's what was, was really sad for McLaren, actually, with Ricardo, because the problem with his car was a power outage, and they don't want that to be the issue that they're facing three, um, three races to the end of the season, like, they need to sort that out, um, but yeah, overall, beautiful drive. So at the moment, the driver standings look like 332.5 points to Verstappen, 318.5 points to um, Bottas, uh, sorry, to Hamilton. Gosh, God forbid Bottas. Bottas has 203 points. Perez has 178 points. Norris has 151 points. So Norris has had a really, really good season, actually. Leclerc has 148 points. Sainz has 139 points. Um... Ricardo has 105 points, Gasly has 92 points, Gasly is actually my favourite this season, Alonso did really, really well as well, so big up Alonso, um, so yeah, it's been a really, um, it's been a really, really interesting 
um, season. It's been really, really interesting so far. It was a brilliant race and I'm just looking forward to seeing where we go from here. Um, and Lewis Hamilton said that it was probably one of the best weekends, if not the best he's experienced in his whole career because he knows how hard he had to fight. But the thing is, He's just made of different stuff. Things that would break the average person, I think it switches something on in him. That's why he's a Scorpio rising. When people think that he's about to crash and burn, that's where he rises from the flames, like a fucking phoenix, baby. And this is what we say, defying fuckery. That's what he's doing. Every day that he's in the sport, he's defying the fuckery. So big up yourself. You don't listen to the podcast, but you really, really should because out here, I'm doing what needs to be done on your behalf. Okay? Um... But anyway, that's a long, um, that was a long, uh, what is it, start your motors, but that's only because it was such an amazing race, and also because my computer is doing wild fucking things, um, so anyway, let's get to the last of this week's, um, segment, which is Straw of the Week, aka Suck Your Mum, for Suck Your Mum, my straw goes out to the judge, um, Judge Schroeder, who's the judge on the Carl Rittenhouse case, um, I don't want to say much other than you're a fucking dickhead and you need to burn in hell, um, you're a white supremacist and it will never be well, well with you or the rest of your lineage, um, and then the straw of the week from you lot comes in the form of, um, all of you saying that the, uh, what is it, the last president of apartheid South Africa, um, de Klerk, you want him to burn in hell, um, so I agree with you, um, you say here, dear Kelechi, please find attached my voice note for your consideration, um, yes, there's a lot here, I think loads of you sent in the same thing, you basically wanted, um, de Klerk to be cussed out, but I'll play the voice note anyway, let's start from there, let's get this all the way up, Hi, Kelechi. I hope this voice note finds you well. Um, I hope that Mother God and Father God are really encapsulating you. I hope that you are resting and I hope that you are looked after. Um, yeah, I hope that your energy is only just channeled to the things that you need to do just for your own survival rather than anybody else. Um, I'm just thankful for all of the energy that you expose to us every single week it's not easy doing a podcast I now know that um basically I just wanted to send a massive suck your fucking mum to the independent to the BBC to the evening standard who are printing headlines about the clerk's death today like he was some kind of apartheid hero first of fucking all mandela would not have been in prison if not for people like him who profited off of apartheid and for him to say just a few years ago that he doesn't think apartheid was a crime against humanity he can suck his fucking mum from hell like oh god i hate it so much what annoys me even more is that even the history about apartheid has been whitewashed. Very few people know that Zimbabwe, which is where I'm from, was also um, was also under apartheid. It was one of England's last apartheid nations until it gained independence in 1980. Right? Also, 
literally they had to be pressured they had to be sanctioned on these people for them to actually stop apartheid do you know how like that's how mad this is anyway so massive suck your mom to him massive suck your mom to everybody that had everything to say when Winnie Mandela died I'm not even going to go into that because Winnie Mandela, as a Southern African black woman, was my hero. My mother is also a human rights activist who also was kidnapped and tortured like Winnie Mandela. So that woman is a hero in my family. Okay, we only get imperfect heroes in the black community because unfortunately, we don't get to be glorified the same way as white people are. Anyway, this is going on for too long. This is more than the two minutes. I'm very sorry. But yeah, fuck the clerk. Fuck Margaret Thatcher. Fuck the royal family. Fuck the conservative family. <laughs> the conservative party. Fuck them all. Suck your mums. I think that that sums up quite a lot of what I would have said. Um, it needed to be said. Um, somebody else here said, straw of a lifetime. Hi, Kalechi. I pray you and yours are well. Thank you for being the baddest baby girl all the damn time. You are appreciated. My straw of the week goes to the people telling black South Africans that they shouldn't celebrate the death of the last apartheid um, president, F.W. de Klerk. Are they mad? It is a joyous occasion. A massive straw to the international news outlets calling him a leader and he who freed Nelson Mandela totally disregarding the fact that he did so under duress from the collective anti-apartheid efforts. Many are still looking for family members who are un who are in unmarked graves because of that demon's regime. Many of us were alive and have first-hand experience with the apartheid police. As you have once said, may he rest in piss. F.W. de Klerk and the F is for fucker. Anyway, have a blessed weekend and week ahead. Love ya. Bye. Thank you for that. That was beautiful. Another one. My dear Kalechi, I hope this email finds you as well as can be. As always, I have to start by proper salutations to edify you as you deserve. You are the empress, the mother of the lion, the baby girl of baby girls. I hope you know how deeply invested I am in your success. Please pass along my warmest wishes to Sadiq as well, whose voice and beautiful energy I miss on the podcast very much. Trigger warning, suicidal ideation and mention of death. Bear with me as I lay out my nomination for straw of the week, once again, for the Home Office. I should actually have sent this email ages ago, but I have been so exhausted on every level and was waiting for the right energy in which to send this. I even had to take mental health sick leave from work a few weeks back because my mind was just broken. This is, of course, as a result of everything the Home Office has put me through in fighting deportation for the past two years. In truth, however, I feel like I've been holding my breath for the past five years since my father died unexpectedly and things literally started falling apart. All glory to God that I'm now finally out of the woods. I won my court case and I've been granted two and a half year visa, which buys me some time towards planning my next move. From the start of this particular immigration fight, I've been battling suicide and um, suicidality um, uh, suicidality very heavily. I have developed so many health issues and I'm scared to even investigate their root causes. I did not have NHS access throughout my case and so many of these issues began mere months into the case. I started losing hair a few months in and now there's a small bald patch on the crown of my head. 
there is also so much I could say about the psychological, or sorry, physiological, physiological, psychological and spiritual effects this whole saga has had on me. I feel deeply, deeply traumatised and yet in all of this, I'm still one of the most privileged ones. I often feel so overwhelmingly heartbroken by the weight of historical and present day border trauma that black and brown people face. We deserve peace and justice. I ask for your prayers and those of your listeners towards my healing and also towards regaining momentum so I can do good work in supporting as many as I can. As I try to keep moving forward, I want to start living again, not just making it from day uh, from one day to the next. I want to keep wanting to live. I want to thrive. I want to cherish every aspect of the work that I do. I want to open my heart once again to romantic love because for most of this time, I've often felt I'm too involved in too much drama and too burdensome to actively dare to have any romantic partner in my life. I want to be free of the label of strong, which is something I've been forced to be and hold myself as just to make it through. I just want to live my life, man, and live my name. Farah, which means, um, literally means happiness slash joy. Lastly, I want to thank you so much for the love and kindness you have shown me many times unknowingly. I appreciate that you've often shared my written work and thoughts on your Twitter. I appreciate that you've given so much of yourself through this podcast, which I hope you know is my favourite podcast ever. There are literally days over the past two years when listening to the podcast on a Monday morning has given me some additional energy to keep fighting. I appreciate that you are unapologetic about loving yourself. You inspire me to continue doing the same towards myself. Only if you're comfortable to read this part out, if you read my letter out, no pressure at all. I once cheekily asked who would be willing to have a live chat with me about my uh, my experiences and you said you would. I sincerely hope that is something we can do one day. I would be so honoured. I'm ready when you are. I'm honestly ready when you are. Let's do this. Um, May God continue to keep blessing you as for my one person household. You are very highly loved and elevated name over here. Best wishes, Faraha. Thank you so much. Um, big up yourself, like you stayed on job throughout the whole process. And literally, if we're talking about the theme of this podcast and episode today being defying fuckery, you literally defied fuckery. They really, really tried you. These motherfuckers at the home office really, really tried you, but they can go suck out their mothers, especially that that wayward individual, um, Preeti, very ugly individual, very ugly heart and soul. Um, you held on, you held on, and I'm so glad that you held on, and I keep imploring you, please, sis, hold on for your bliss, all of this will not be in vain, all of this will not be for, just for no reason, please hold out for your bliss, because you are so deserving, you've always been a light, and you are exemplary, um, when it comes to showing people, like, raw. even when we're going through hard times, it doesn't mean that we have to be nasty people, all you've ever been is this bastion of, like, love, and, 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 um, and kindness towards me, which is why I've been able to reflect that back to you. I'm only reflecting what you have shown me. So when you're telling me I'm the I'm this and I'm this baby girl and I'm that baby girl, I'm only reflecting you. I'm merely a mirror of your greatness. So thank you for sharing that with me. And that goes out to anyone who's listening, like I keep saying, who's having a hard time. Please, please, please hold out for your bliss. It's not easy for any of us out here. Fam, I don't even share a quarter of the shit that I go through and some days I'm just like nah I don't even know how I'm gonna get through this the other day I was listening to Smokey Norfolk I understand and um and it sings about sometimes I feel like I'm um like giving up um 
and I feel like a stranger so far from home, that's the bit that broke me, and I just started bawling, I sometimes do feel like a stranger so far from home, like, I know that I'm not from here, I know that so many of us are not from here, and I'm talking spiritually, and I'm still trying to, like, muddle my way through, not fuck up so many times as, you know, as a human, and muddle my way through, and find out what I'm meant to do, I feel like I know, but you know when you're looking for that final aha moment, where it's just like, I did it, and I know that that might be decades to come. God bless me with long life and prosperity. But fam, it's so hard sometimes and you just feel like giving up. But understand that you're made of, of more beautiful stuff. And I talked about even when things feel hard, you're made of harder stuff. But the harder stuff that you're made of is love. Like it's made of love and it's soft and it's tender. And it seems like an oxymoron, but you've got to hold on. You, the thing that made you, that makes you you is far greater than the thing that made all of this fuck shit. Like we can get through this, and 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 I'm so grateful for that letter because even in spite of the fuckery, all of these crusty dinosaurs are being cleared out of here. Them dragons, like the clerk, you rest in peace, you little bitch. That's what you deserve. When you've done so much fuckery on the earth, that is what you do. That's what, let the urms eat your asshole, you little bitch. Um, but yeah, overall, thank you so much. Thank you for that beautiful letter. I'm ready for you to come on a podcast whenever you are. It'd be an honor to have you, especially since I am aware of some of what you've gone through. Um, and I keep saying, hold out for your bliss because you are a light and you are so beautiful, so kind. And thank you for existing. Thank you for holding on this long. Just keep holding on. And, and I know we don't want to live from one moment to the next, but fam, I ain't got a five year plan. I ain't got a five year plan. I just want to see through every moment and be the best person I can be for myself and for my son and for the, for my loved ones. Just, you know, just keep going. Um, but that wraps up this week's episode of this podcast. I was about to say that wraps up this episode of the read. I listened to that show way too much. Um, but that wraps up this episode of the podcast. I've been Kalechi Okafor and this has been SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That's right, Suck Your Mum. Big up Skillshare, big up BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Remember that you can send your voice notes, um, your um, tarot questions if you want to, that, I, that I'm able to read on the podcast. You can send it to SYM at KalechiOkafor.com. Um, you can support the podcast on at Patreon, sorry, Patreon.com slash Kalechi Okafor and um, follow me on at Kalechi Okafor at Say Your Mind Pod. I did hear through the grapevine that man like Sadiq might pop in soon. I don't know when because you know what he's like, but he might pop in soon and bless us with his presence. But we'll see when that will be, inshallah. Um vibes and inshallah when it comes to um when it comes to Sadiq but um yeah that's it thank you for listening big up um all of the things that um that I've talked about this week in terms of the great people big up Gilen Kinuani um living while black um big up Hamilton for doing what he needed to do and big up all of us the baby girls baby boys baby non-binaries for continuing to defy fuckery peace it's the Benz Brunani woman is baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. Baby, sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sip it, yo. Hard time scrolling for your long truths. You might learn something you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind.